0: Welcome to the Ron Huntley Leadership Podcast, helping leaders be a positive catalyst on the people they support, the organizations they serve, and the communities they live. This podcast will make you think, laugh, and grit your teeth with new determination to make your parish or business a place of transformation, passion, and purpose. If you're still breathing, you are Power for Impact. Our guest today works internationally with church leaders to build passion and get results. His love for Jesus, people, and the church drive him to make a difference in the lives of pastors, priests, and ministry leaders everywhere. He and Father James worked side by side to bring about the divine renovation at St. Benedict Parish in Halifax, Canada. My name is Ron Huntley, and today I will be your host and your guest. I've been meaning to share with you, in the form of a monologue, some of the key learnings I often speak or coach into with church leaders. Today I'll share with you the story behind our game plan, our strategy we used at St. Benedict Parish to make disciples who joyfully live out the mission of Jesus Christ. I think I'll dub these monologues. Enjoy this episode. when the clock has started I often get asked to speak about the St Benedict game plan When people hear it they get excited because it makes sense and it helps them understand perhaps why some of the things they're trying to do in their church is not working and it also gives them the motivation they need to begin to think about and think through creating a game plan for themselves and I hope that's what happens as we speak today at St. Benedict Parish, we were doing amazing things as Father James and I came together with other great leaders to bring about a transformation in that parish. You know, Father James and I are, are quite comfortable as apostolic evangelists in chaos. Creating chaos is exactly what we needed to do. We needed to break out of the mold. Of doing church in a way that didn't work. And so we believed strongly in the value of prioritizing evangelization. And Alpha's such a great tool to do that very thing, but not just bring people to an encounter of Jesus, but also to have them filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. And my friends, I'll tell you what, when you double down on bringing people to Jesus and having them filled with the Holy Spirit, you're going to create a holy chaos. (laughs) And I would say, Father James and I, not to overspeak for him, but are quite comfortable in that type of an environment. But to be honest with you, I think we were overdoing it. What was happening with our staff is they were growing in discouragement and frustration because of the way they were being led, or maybe more importantly, the way they weren't being led. And it was causing a problem for us. Yes, things looked great on the outside, but on the inside, not so great. And it was probably about year four when in my full-time job as a pharmaceutical rep, my responsibilities continued to grow and my obligations were starting to shift and it required more of my time. The problem was the church was requiring more of my time because of what was happening within the staff, but also because of the success of Alpha and Connect groups. And it was then that I realized I'm becoming part of the problem because I can't spend the time that is needed. And it wasn't fair to people that I was working with or the mission that we had on our hearts. So I talked with Father James and shared with him that I thought it might be time for me to step away because of how well things were going, and what was going to be required to get us to that next level. And he agreed. And it was tough, because I loved what I was able to be a part of, and I loved the parish. I wasn't going anywhere as a parishioner and somebody who would participate and get involved, but I did need to step down in my part-time staff position and hire somebody full-time. Well, God had uh, interesting plans because we found somebody who was amazing, did a far better job than I did at running Alpha. I agreed to stay on as a volunteer to take care of Connect Groups. But three weeks later, after a consultant came in and did some work with Father James and the staff, Father James called me and invited me to come back and work full-time in ministry. Now, I'd been feeling a call probably for the previous year to full-time ministry, but you know what? I didn't tell anyone. <laughs> it scared the daylights out of me. And I had no intentions on telling anybody who would therefore try to convince me otherwise. And so that's how I, I kind of knew this was from God. A series of miracles happened to make that possible. And so as I stepped into full-time ministry, my role shifted from director of evangelization, which I dubbed the director of making people awesome, by far my favorite job title. <laughs> And then I became the director of pastoral ministry. So supporting everyone on staff who was doing pastoral ministries or supporting other people who were doing pastoral ministries. And it was a great opportunity to serve in a different capacity and bring some of the values that I was implementing with Alpha Team and Connect Group teams to other parts of the church. Well, as I came on full-time, I found out that two of our staff members started working on a a pathway to help people understand how to become disciples. And when I saw it, it scared me because it didn't ring true with what we had been doing up to that point, at least not completely. And I understood why they were trying to do it, but I said, this isn't what we're doing. And their frustration with me was significant. They said, we're tired of the chaos. We need to be able to see and show people where we're going as we're forming disciples. So if this isn't it, that's fine. But you better come up with something. (laughs) And I love those two staff members. And they were right. This holy chaos had gone on far too long. And people were desiring and needing order on staff. And so I went to work with Tanya Rogerson, who was great at asking me difficult questions and not backing down when I was (laughs) providing pushback and not being a very willing participant. And it took us months as we really began to sift through the busyness of our parish to get to the heart of what was actually working. Again, it was a difficult process. It It wasn't a pursuit of intellect. In terms of what we should do, and here are the steps. It was more like an excavation of ancient artifacts. We were uncovering the beauty and the magic that was happening in our parish. And so it took a while. And I'm going to put on Twitter, um, Facebook, and Instagram the image of the St. Benedict game plan just in case. You don't know what I'm talking about, so you can go to Twitter at Ron underscore Huntley or at Instagram at RMHunts. or you can search up Ron Huntley Facebook, and I'll put that image up today. As I say that, I'm, I'm live right now from, I guess it won't be live when I put it to tape, will it? <laughs> I'm recording this in St. John, Indiana, uh, where I'm visiting one of the partner churches that I'm working with. The game plan became our strategy of how we form disciples who joyfully live out the mission of Jesus Christ. That was our purpose statement at St. Benedict Parish. The first icon is that of an arrow, and it's dubbed Invitational. You know, right there, the very first icon is probably the number one issue that faces or plagues the Roman Catholic Church globally. We are not Invitational. And when I say invitation, what what I'm thinking is I want to have a church that has programming that you're proud of, that you know that if you brought a friend, whether they're Christian or non-Christian, Catholic or non-Catholic, if they're dealing with a particular issue and we have a program that will meet that issue, I want you to feel comfortable inviting your friends, which means the quality of what we provide better be good. It's not good enough just to be... Scraping by with quality because we all know and love each other because we're an insider club. If we're going to be invitational, the quality of what we do has to be something that we would be proud to invite people who don't belong to our church. And so if somebody has had a loss recently of a loved one and we have grief support, I want our parishioners to be able to invite them. If we have life's healing choices to help people with addictions and hangups, I want them to be able to invite outsiders. No matter what it is, whether it's children's ministry or something for families or marriages, I want you and parishioners to be able to be confident to invite them to what we do. The next icon is the Alpha logo. I want everyone to be invited to Alpha eventually. Why? Because Alpha does three things it introduces people to Jesus Christ to give them a powerful encounter. Of jesus christ two it gives them an opportunity to be to be filled with the holy spirit and three it helps people fall in love with each other you can't go wrong with that whether you've been going to church your whole life or you've never stepped foot in a church to refresh your relationship with jesus or to begin one for the very first time is foundational christians who aren't filled with the holy spirit aren't particularly useful. (laughs) So I want people to be filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. It gives our life purpose and meaning and sends us on mission. And finally, what's a church if we don't develop authentic, loving friendships? And when you have dinner with people 11 weeks in a row, or you're online with them 11 weeks in a row, having meaningful conversations and listening to each other's story, guess what? You fall in love with them. And so, of course, we want everyone to experience Alpha eventually. And once people are finished Alpha, the next icon is becoming an Alpha team member if you're invited. The reason for that, when people finish Alpha, they're often ridiculously hungry for more. And in our tradition as Catholics, more means Bible studies or book studies or studies on the Mass, studies on the sacraments, studies on Mary... All of those things are so beautiful. They are the treasures of our Catholic Church. But to be honest with you, I'm slower to give people what they want, and I'm more driven to give people what they need. I want to help Catholics become useful, not just smart. And by bringing them back and serving on team, It's about sacrificing for others. And while doing that, we get to further disciple them in the principles of Alpha, but not just Alpha, the principles of our church of hospitality, of listening, of not being intimidated to share our faith. And people grow in that slowly over time through the Alpha leadership pipeline. And so few churches get that. And so oftentimes, you think about it somebody comes through Alpha. And then they come back, and they serve as a helper. And then if they were a great helper, we invite them back as a co-host. And if they're a great co-host, we invite them back as a host. Sometimes we invite them to give an alpha talk, live talk. Sometimes we invite them to come back as an MC. So there are so many roles that people could fill where we get to see, are they faithful, available, contagious, and teachable? And that term is in my book, Unlocking Your Parish. And it breaks down what we look for specifically in team members so we can create a great alpha experience for people and develop the people that are entrusting themselves to us. The next icon is that of a connect group. Connect groups are where alpha alumni go to connect and grow. The primary purpose of a connect group is fellowship. But don't get me wrong, you're also being discipled. There's also worship happening. However, its primary purpose is creating authentic Christian relationships. It's like a small home group between 20 and 30 people that meet every second week in homes. It's an amazing experience of growing closer to friends who have also experienced Alpha, have been filled with the Holy Spirit, and long to be together with fellow Christians. It is a ton of fun. And the people who lead those connect groups become small P pastors. They're an extension of the priest's responsibility to ensure people are pastored. In most Catholic churches, they're more than 100, in which case a pastor can't be everyone's personal chaplain. We have to break out of that model of care. It's killing our priests, and the truth be known, if they're doing that, they're not leading. And so they need time to be able to be with their people, but they also need time to be with their key leaders to form them and grow them and multiply them so we can have a bigger impact as a church. And so connect groups are a lifesaver for priests, but also an unbelievable place to make your church feel more amazing by growing closer in relationships with as families to one another. The next icon is ministry. We believe that if you're not giving, you're not living. It's not what we want from you. It's what we want for you. And there's nothing like using your God-given gifts to build up the kingdom of God in communion with other people who are like-minded and share the same vision. I'm telling you, it gives your life purpose, meaning, and joy. It's in giving that we find joy, not devouring it and receiving as much as possible. And I find in so many churches, you have about... 10 to 20% of people working their brains out and 80 to 90% of the people just coming and consuming the sacraments and leaving. And if we're going to break that culture of ineffectiveness as church, we have to find great ways to do it. And the best way for us, we believe, to shepherd people's giftedness or steward people's giftedness in ministry is through Connect Group leaders. They're the ones who get to know their people in their Connect group better than anyone else, and so when people are wondering what they should do, we say talk to your Connect group leaders, and we really invite Connect group leaders to ensure everyone in their Connect group is serving in ministry. Our hope and our goal that one hundred percent of our parishioners will serve, and so that's ministry is very important to us. The next icon is discipleship groups. Discipleship groups are small groups, groups between four and 10, that have a very intentional beginning and a very intentional end. And it's often focused on growing in maturity in our faith. We have a responsibility as leaders to present people mature in the faith. And so many people's faith is borderline infantile, even though they've been going to the church their entire life. And so we want to break that pattern of apathy as it relates to growing in the richness and the fullness of our Roman Catholic faith. And there are so many Bible studies and book studies out there to facilitate great conversations. And so we invite people to start a discipleship group. And in fact, we ask everyone in the church to be in at least, to commit to at least one discipleship group a year because we want them to be lifelong learners. And that's what disciples are. They're lifelong followers and learners of Jesus Christ. And so we wanna make sure that that happens. The final icon is that of worship. I remember a good friend of mine who I worked with, uh, Rob McDowell, uh, is an ordained Wesleyan pastor. He worked with us at St. Benedict Parish. And one time he invited me to a meeting with other pastors uh, from his tradition. And it was really fun. I, as we went there, he said to me, Ron, I have to warn you, when we go there, everybody calls me the Catholic. He said, uh, "He said, it's a real identity crisis because when I go with these Wesleyan pastors, they call me the Catholic. But when I'm at the Roman Catholic Church, they call me the Wesleyan. I'm not sure who I am. <laughs> uh, it was fun, As sure enough, as soon as we walked in, they're like, hey, the Catholics are here. And it was a wonderful meeting of leaders. But I was taken by one of the people, one of the pastors was sharing that when he meets with his key people, he asks them three questions. And to be honest with you, all three questions were amazing, but one of them absolutely took me back. And therefore I forget the other two. (laughs) But the one he did ask that really caught me off guard is he would ask his key people, how are you doing with worship? How would you answer that question? I don't even know what that meant. And so I stopped him and I asked him, "What do you mean by that?" Like I, I, I wouldn't have the first clue how to answer your question because I don't know what you're asking. And it was funny because clearly we talked a different language as a Catholic and and a Wesleyan. And so he had to think about what he meant by it because it was so natural for him. And then after a moment of thinking, he said, "I guess what I'm asking them is, how are you doing with surrendering your life to Jesus on a regular basis?" Oh man, isn't that? A fantastic question. That changed the way I looked at mass and other other opportunities to worship, because I thought to myself, isn't that exactly what we're trying to do? Is help people go on surrendering their life to Jesus, to be docile to Jesus and the Holy Spirit and to God, so that they can live in holy communion with God, to live a life of purpose and meaning in communion with God daily, to hear His voice. And to obey. And I just thought that was the coolest definition ever. And so when we think about worship as Catholics, our minds always go to Sunday, doesn't it? As it should. The Eucharist is the source and summit of our faith. That's the highest form of prayer for us as Catholics. It's amazing. But I'm telling you, you have no idea how amazing it is when people have been living out those other icons. It brings the participation, the joy, and the passion alive. It becomes palpable, which makes people's Sunday experience unforgettable because we want, we're always seeking to transform lives every single Sunday. But what's really cool about it is that isn't our only worship experience. People worship at Connect groups. They worship during alpha. We worship as a staff. We have opportunities for work to worship as in our leadership summits with our key ministry leaders. We're always looking for ways to help people surrender to Jesus and to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And so that's our game plan. That's how we form disciples who joyfully live out the mission of Jesus Christ. You know, we put the word joyfully in there on purpose. There are few things less contagious than a chronically cranky Catholic. (laughs) It's okay for us to have a bad day, but when a bad day turns into a bad week, that should be a red flag because culture is created by what we reward and what we tolerate. And when we leave people in leadership long beyond their experience of joy, new Christians come into our church and they see chronically cranky people and they realize they don't want to get involved. Because that says a lot about the leadership of our church. And so I just really encourage you as leaders to have the difficult conversations with people. And the truth is, if their joy is gone, care enough about them to ask how they're doing and what's going on. Maybe what you're noticing and, and, and care for them. They might need a break. And if they need a break, give it to them. Or they might need to be prayed with or or. or they might need to have a real heart-to-heart conversation to rediscover their joy, to unburden themselves. But don't leave people who've lost their joy in leadership. Your church will not go anywhere <laughs> over the long run unless you're leading with joy. And so I hope that today's monologue <laughs> is useful for you. I hope you understand the heart behind why we put the game plan together and when we put it together. But let me share with you how we used it because I would, we would often have leadership summits where we would gather all of our core ministry, not core ministry, anybody that ran a ministry or led a ministry, we would have them come to our leadership summit three times a year and bring an apprentice. Because we would want to show them how much we appreciate them. We would want to share with them what's happening so that they knew things before the rest of the church because they're in leadership roles and we want them to hear things first. And then we would also pour vision into them because it was important that people become vision carriers, that together, collectively, we all knew what was going on and why we were doing what we were doing and where it was going to take us. And finally, we'd also help them grow in their leadership skills because we want to invest in our leaders. And what is so interesting about these leadership summits is I would often meet with some of these core leaders and their apprentice between summits because we would only do that about three times a year. And when I'd get together with them, I'd ask them questions like, how did you come to faith? How did you get involved with this ministry? What do you get out of this ministry? When this ministry is firing on all cylinders, how are you helping others? If this ministry was going to be really successful in the long run, what's your dream? What would you need to do? And I would also ask, how are you struggling? How can I pray for you? By the time we were finished discussing all those questions, I became one of their vision carriers, which is exactly what I wanted to do as somebody who is responsible for pastoral ministries. I wanted to understand the people, to fall in love with them, and understand their ministry and why it's such an important part of our parish. And when that would happen, inevitably, one of the first things that people would say was a struggle for them is finding new volunteers. (laughs) And if you're a church leader, you're going, yep, that's our church too. And so I would, expl- I would ask them, do you mind if I share with you some of the things that we're working on? And inevitably, if people feel truly listened to and heard, they're more than happy to listen to you. And so then I would share with them the game plan. And I would also share with them where they fit into the game plan. And it was always in the ministry icon. And I would let them know that I understand you're struggling with volunteers. And that's why I'm going to ask you to mobilize the people in your ministry to be more invitational so that we can get more people to Alpha to experience Jesus, to be filled with the Holy Spirit, and to fall in love with other people in our church. Because that's how our church grows. And once people, persons evangelized, they need to be mobilized. And so we will be inviting them to serve in ministry. And some of them will want to serve in yours. And so they begin to see how all these pieces fit together. Because it's not uncommon for people to start resist, uh, starting, start to get irritated about Alpha and hearing about it. Because if we're going to do Alpha, well, we have to promote the daylights out of it. Every single season, we run a new Alpha. And people can get tired of it if they're struggling in their ministries and they don't understand where they fit in. And how come you're not spending just as much time talking about my ministry? And so they start to resent Alpha if they don't understand how it fits in to the overall plan, even people who have experienced alpha in the past. So if those are some of the problems that you're beginning to face as a leader because you're starting to do alpha consistently, then maybe it's time for you to create your own game plan. We always said at St. Benedict Parish, we believe in CASE leadership. And CASE stands for copy and steal everything. And so if our game plan would be a blessing to you, take it. You do not even have to give us credit We just want you to be blessed. And if you look at that game plan and you think to yourself, I think I could shift it, I think I could do better, then by all means, I'm sure you can do better. But if you do do that, will you do me a favor? Will you send me what you've come up with at connect at ronhuntley.com? I would love to see what you and your church come up with. I would love to be able to pray with you and pray into that because I find it so exciting when people innovate and improve on some of the things that we've done to try to turn our church around. So I hope you develop your own game plan to make sense of how you form disciples who joyfully live out the mission of Christ. That season in St. Benedict Parish when we came up with that game plan really was a game changer for us. It helped us help others make sense of the holy chaos that we created and get excited about where we were going. I'm so grateful to Father James and the leadership team and Kate and Rob and Father Simon Lobo as we worked diligently together with it. It wasn't an easy process for us. We weren't always on the same page. But because we were so committed to the mission, the debates that we would have and the passionate disagreements we would have led to what we felt was something unbelievably exciting and we could sink our teeth into. So thank you to all of them. That was a magical time in my life. And I hope that this game plan conversation <laughs> or monologue is a real blessing to you. God bless you. I want to encourage you as you lead this week, be faithful to God and generous to others. See you next time. And remember, if you're still breathing, you are powered for impact.